So here's the question. When the rules we've been operating by have burnt us out and the hamster wheel is keeping us awake at night and stuck, how do we, as expert entrepreneurs who want to make significant impact but just can't take on one more thing, grow our businesses and teams, double our revenue while working less? That's the question. This is The Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Business Habitat. I'm your host, Sam Dean. Super excited to have Philip Pucic here today. We had Philip on about a year ago now, and the popularity of his episode and the importance to us expert businesses, I think was one to get Philip back to continue the conversation. So last year we were really looking at the mindset, you know, shifting towards value pricing, which is such an important thing for any kind of experts and pop back, it's episode 86, pop back and have a look at it. We'll also have it in the link. And because it was such a good, it's such an important, it was a very popular topic, we're bringing it back and I want to actually delve more into rather than the theory of value pricing concentrate on its evil twin it's evil sorry so you know value pricing is mr jekyll mrs mr hyde hours for dollar mindset that we're all using i'm hearing a lot at the moment of you know still sticking to this price and we're coming into 2022 it's not what our clients want it's one of the main reasons why i think we can't double our income without burnout because you know we're always going to link our productivity to the revenue in our business even if we think logically disconnected our mindset keeps it connected so it's a really important topic and we hear about it all the time but I really wanted to bring the expert back and talk about it some more so welcome Philip thank you so much for joining us tonight and I'm going to say tonight, it's actually morning for Philip because he's all the way across the other side of the world in Croatia. And so here we go. So welcome back. Have you seen in your areas, you know, with the work that you're doing at the moment, much shift in the hours for dollars with experts and, and still charging that way? Well, uh, no. But what I've seen is people start to wonder. Uh, with with the shift toward uh, working from home and stuff, when there's nobody looking uh, over your shoulder, you actually get more done in less time. And then you go and do something else. So people realize, I can actually do my eight to nine hour hours of work that I would do in an office in like six hour stops, right? So they're still get, getting paid the same, but they're actually doing it in less hours. And now... Um, it's it, it's an important uh, it's an important moment I think because if you know there's one position there's one position okay right there's nothing else now if you know there's another one you don't have to be there but you if you know there's another one now you know there's uh, places in between those as well so it's here and here and here and here so this is still pretty far from here. But you know there's other things possible than just the one. So being aware of an alternative way is uh, absolutely uh, an important ingredient 
in 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 uh, shifting away from from as you say hours for dollars. I think that's really important too, because as you know, when we work with experts, I quite often see a drop in revenue the more efficient they get as well. So it's interesting that you're talking about, so, you know, people pay more if you can do things faster. And I think I might actually be um, stealing that quote from you, actually, a conversation that we had a week or two ago, but it's, it's very true. And to, I think, line that up with what we're seeing, well, you know, and I'm hearing as well, you know, there's people working from home, the timesheets are showing less money, which means you, you charge, some people do, are charging the clients less and, you know, getting penalised for it. But also they're kind of thinking, well, my employees, maybe they should work eight hours, so can they work more? But what they've done is, is actually got themselves more efficient, so they should be rewarded for that with the less hours. It doesn't mean that they have to actually sit. So there's actually two, two ways to look at that as well. And it's interesting because if you look at it a slightly different way from what's happening in the employee front or, you know, anyone working from home, I mean, I get a lot done, more done than I ever did when I had a had a big practice and had lots of people around me. And I used to punish myself for it by just working more. But now I go, eh, you know, I achieved today, you know, would have taken me 60 hours, you know, takes me 20, 25. So it's interesting that you brought that up. There's a, a reflection of how we look at our time during the day and why we're so busy without the burnout, plus how we actually then price. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. These are two completely different things. And you, you're saying, uh, you know, people are being punished for, be, for being efficient. That's true. But oftentimes, the ones, uh, the, the, the ones doing the punishing are not the clients. It's the experts themselves. Because the, if, 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 you, if you build them in a way that punishes you, they, they'll pay it. But they're not, they're not the, one who, uh, the, the ones who propose that. Because the important thing to realize about hours is that hours were not meant to measure expert work. Hours are, were meant to measure physical work that anybody can do and uh, that everybody understands really well. So, you know, pounding, pounding nails. So how many nails can you do in an hour, right? Oh, okay. So, so now that that's the quota, that's the normal, right? Okay. So how many hours did you pound nails? And it's very straightforward, right? If you pounded nails for six hours, there's, I don't know, 600 nails pounded. Okay. Because you, you have to carry stuff in it. But it's, it's simply not true that in expert work, hours equals linear progression like that. Right. So if I. It's in fact, it's probably the work is probably the other way. The more hours you do, the less efficient you, you get. Sometimes it is. So, so sometimes it isn't, but sometimes it is, right? If you're a doctor and, and you do uh, clinic work, if, if you take on patients, okay, that, that, that's fine, right? But if you took six hours to get a diagnosis or two hours to get the same diagnosis, is the, the second one worse? No, it's actually better. And in some urgent cases, it, it can save lives, right? So... Writing more code doesn't mean that the code is better. Taking more time to write a speech doesn't mean that the speech is better. Or, uh, God forbid, taking longer to take a speech, it doesn't mean the speech is better, (laughs) right? 
I've recently written about, uh, I think it was Woodrow Wilson, uh, the American president, and he was asked on how long uh, he, it takes for him to, to prepare speeches. He says, well, if I can talk for an hour, I prepare that in, in like a week. If I can if I can talk for only half an hour, it takes me two w- weeks to prepare. And if I can take as, as much as I want, I'm ready now. I don't need any preparation at all, right? So less is more sometimes means to, to give you less, I'm going to have to work more. Um, so, so it's not always that that way. Uh, sometimes we simply want less. If, if you have a dentist that can fix your problem in two hours, so in one sitting and not in three sittings, that's a better thing, right? You, you, you would be willing to, to pay more. And being stuck in the, in the idea of, of linear uh, proportionality, so uh, more hours equals more work, is simply a bad fit. It's, it's, it's what I uh, like to call the, the, the swan pricing and the duck pricing. Duck pricing is the common thing, right? So, so if you worked as a waiter for 16 hours, that's better than working uh, as a waiter for eight hours, usually about double the, the, the quantity of value. That's not true for, for an accountant. That's not true for a consultant. It simply isn't, right? It, that's not true for a salesperson. If somebody was digging a hole for six hours, I can see by the depth of the hole that they did the work. And in, in sales, it doesn't work that way. Right, you can sometimes sell more in half an hour than you usually sell in in half a week. It's not it's not linear. It's not proportional. And taking on pricing method that acts as if all work is linear is detrimental to both clients and experts. And I really do mean that. Yes, and I think we see that all the time. And you know, I really love the point of. People will pay more if it takes less. And that doesn't mean that you, so particularly when, if you are an absolutely very experienced, it takes you half an hour to answer something that might take a less experienced person three hours just because of the knowledge and the research. It means that people should pay more for that half an hour than they do for the three hours, for sure, because it's sharp, it's fast, and it's down to that rather than the other way around, which is it works at the moment, which is they'll pay the three-hour person more because that's the way we, we're pricing. And it was interesting, I thought, just to circle back there for a minute, this is kind of like coming from you said that it used to, you know, when when Alistair Dollar was originally, you know, I'm going to think back in the industrial age, you know, when it was labour hours. So once more we've kind of taken something from a, from history and just continued without saying, how could we do this better for what we do? You know, working nine to five, you know, we work, you don't need to work nine to five if you don't have a factory line because everyone doesn't need to be there at one time. So we're still taking stuff that was just there that no one's questioned. You know, we're questioning it, but it's like, it doesn't actually make any sense when you really get down to it. And that's why I always like to talk to you because you look look at it um, from outside the expertise. Um, we, so, so I like to say people do pricing Mm. in, in two ways. One is guesswork and the other is copying other people's guesswork. Um, (laughs) so unfortunately, so there's an example from, from Silicon Valley. Oh, well, um, broader than than that, America's uh, uh, then budding IT industry. They used to pay programmers like typists. So... How much? How many lines of code did you do today? 
because the, the managers at the time, uh, even at, at, at IBM, didn't understand what exactly was happening there, especially when, when programming stopped being about screwdrivers and started being about letters. Yeah. So how do we pay them, right? So you, you used to have these, you know, oh, this, this project is a 15K. It's a 15K li- lines of code projection, right? So how many... And it took a clash, I think, uh, uh, I may slip in my lore here, but I think with Microsoft, when, when Microsoft was, was uh, first introduced there to, to, to produce their first uh, uh, operative system, and th- it didn't work out, doesn't really matter, but uh, the, the young guys uh, uh, for, for, from a startup, right, from, from Microsoft, uh, were appalled by the idea that uh, the more inefficient their co- code is, the more they get paid. Right, because you you were basically uh, incentivized to not do nice, efficient code with 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 loopbacks and 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 and, but to to write everything again and again and again and again and again because that that's that's what you're paid for, right? So well, at um, least they changed. Oh yeah, absolutely they changed. But it 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 took I don't know at, at least ten years, maybe twenty, um, before they said you know what do typists do? Well, they type. What do programmers do? Well, they type. Well, it's basically the same thing. Okay, their their uh, uh, you know uh, hourly is going to be higher because uh, you had to have higher education, but that's basically the only difference. No, it's not. A programmer looking at the screen and not moving is working. Yes, it's not like they're working just just uh, while they're typing. That's idiotic. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is an absolute amazing. Um, metaphor to what we do because and it you know that that promotes inefficiency and ours does as well particularly with with the measurements and stuff so i suppose we're going through that microsoft moment of oh goodness it's important to realize that for those managers it's important to realize that typing is not what exactly what they want right look that's still alive people working from home especially in in it sometimes load programs that move their mouse every couple of minutes because that's signaling to the uh, software monitoring them that they're working. Oh, is, my goodness, yeah, that's so yeah. degrading. Yeah, no, no, that's a thing. That's a thing. That's still a thing, right? Because if he's not moving his mouse, he's not working. He's working while well, he's showering, man. Yeah, and, and they, the creativity you actually get when you're off doing something else and you come back and go, oh, I got it. Exactly, but they're wasting potential thinking on how to circumvent stupid uh, ideas, right? And w- what I wanted to say is, um, uh, your clients don't want your hours. They don't. They don't. They don't really care. Even if they think they do, they don't. I, and this is this is how I usually illustrate this, right? If if a client says. Uh, no, no, I, I would really feel better if, if I knew, you know, uh, how long did you work on this and that. And I said, okay, um, two hypothetical scenarios. In one of them, you install a, a software on, on my, uh, I let you install a, a software on my computer. And you can see that I'm working. And you can see the sweat of my brow. And you can see me working for 60 hours, as we uh, uh, agreed in general, right? And you'd get nothing out of that. Would you be happy to pay me? Well, you know, a deal's a deal. Okay. Would you rehire me? No. 
Of course not, right? Now, hypothetical scenario number two. You can see that I didn't do anything. I take a, a, a Harry Potter wand and I say the magic words and you get everything that you wanted. And you can see I didn't work for that for a second. Would you be happy to pay me? That was the agreed result, yes. Yes. Would you rehire me? Probably. <laughs> yes. So you don't care about my hours. You, you, you simply don't. You don't need my hours if I can do this in, um, in less time than expected. Good for me. Good for you. Otherwise, you get into stupid uh, 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 situations where that was a long time ago, but but uh, uh, one of my early clients, um, he 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 adopted um, he, he did websites and he adopted uh, um, templates. Very very early people didn't know that those existed. So instead of doing a website for two weeks, he could do it in like six hours, and then he would wait for two weeks to charge for it. And the client got it two weeks later because if he tried to do it immediately, and he did try a couple of times, people didn't want to pay. Now, who is gaining from that from that scenario? The client? No, <laughs> nobody. Everybody is worse off. Sorry for shouting. I'm uh, passionate about this stuff. That, yeah, that, I mean it's so true. It's so true. And I think one of the biggest blocks I hear from experts who are generationally trained to hours for dollar. I mean, I don't think anyone questions that it's not the best, you know, it's to get all of that stuff that we've talked about. But, you know, one thing you mentioned is people price either by guesswork or copying somebody's guesswork. How, I mean, you know, I think in the last podcast, we will revisit it now. Hours should be used from a costing perspective and to give you some efficiency idea for sure. But then how do people then price to know that they're, I mean, first of all, obviously they've got to know the costs. So therefore you at least know where your break-even point is um, and then anything up is a thing. So what's the best way to go about that? Uh, the break-even costs are necessary. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they're for internal use, right? I mean, uh, accountants know better than, than anybody else that there's two ways to, to show something, right? And they're for internal use. Yes, you have to know where your break-even point is, but that's the floor. That's the foundation. And the foundation is very, very important. It just won't keep you warm at night. And the important part is that the floor tells you nothing about where the ceiling is. You have no idea. You know the floor and you know how not to lose money, but how much you can charge, that has nothing to do with the floor. There is no way if we're talking about expert services, and we are, to calculate on your own without your, your client's involvement, to calculate the price. That's not a thing. It, there's no formula that you can apply and say, ah, this is how much it costs, because it depends. It depends on who they are and how big their business is and how urgent it, it is and how urgent they think it is and how important they think it is and how complicated they think it is. And you can be right about all of these things, but if they don't see it, they won't be willing to pay for it. So I talk about three things which are, uh, well, I can say two sides of the same coin because there are three, but you know what I mean. So, so value communication is what we're talking about right now. We have to see the value. This is the 
piece that connects to to our last conversation, right? Which was in itself a reply to your even earlier episode where, where you talked about what about the value pricing revolution, right? So value communication, pricing is the uh, numerical expression of the value that you communicated. And then you have negotiation where you make that stick, right? Because a price that you state but that nobody wants to buy at is not of much use, right? And this is what people fear. And uh, in the meantime, since we last spoke, I rebranded in, into Fearless Pricing. And, and thank you for that inspiration, Sam. So that's what I think that uh, people need to do. They, they need to firstly understand that the floor has nothing to do with the ceiling and not be afraid to reach for the ceiling, to, to find the ceiling, right? It's not easy. And you have to understand who you're selling to and in what conditions in order to, 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 to uh, get there. And yes, in some cases, the ceiling that you find is below the floor. And that's how you know that's not a viable market and you should, you should re-niche into something else. And that, that's a whole different conversation. So absolutely, you need to know where the floor is. You need to calculate your costs. You need to know what you can and cannot say yes to. But that has nothing to do with how the client sees the value, uh, how you communicate the value, and how do you talk about that value. And I think it's very, very limiting. It's a straitjacket uh, uh, made for somebody else's frame if you only think about uh, uh, you know, an, an hourly rate. I mean, uh, look at it from this perspective. I'm not a designer, but I can download Photoshop. I can buy it. And I can go to, to YouTube and uh, look at a million YouTubes about Photoshop. And I will be able to design something in like a couple of months. That will be a lot of hours. And those hours will get you a worse result than a professional designer can give you in like two hours. So I spent... 200 hours, they spent two hours, and we got to a result that, let's be charitable towards me and, and say an equal, an equal quality. So what's an hour of design then? What, what does it mean? In his case, you got the same result for two. In my case, you got the same result for 200. So it, it's completely meaningless. It's like saying this is 20 pages of design. Right? You could conceivably design stuff, print it in a standardized form, and then weigh the paper. And the, the more paper you got, the, the, the more expensive it is. It makes no sense, but it makes absolutely as sense, as much sense as, as a measuring design by ours. This episode is brought to you by The Aligned Leader, a six week program built to combat the leadership fatigue syndrome. So you can grow your business without the overwhelm. Yeah, and that's true for you. I mean, that used to be actually an old technique of um, pricing for lawyers is yeah, how, how, how big's the file? Um, and I suppose they're going number of sheets and stuff, which is exactly the same principle and makes just as little sense for law, I think, than it does for design. It's even worse. It's even worse, worse than that. I didn't know about lawyers. I'm absolutely going to use this. But uh, one one really, really fun thing that I found out was uh, Dostoevsky, so, so War and Peace, 
mm-hmm. right? Door okay. stopper. Um, we, uh, uh, I think everybody in Europe uh, has has to go through these Russian door door stoppers at like third grade high school, something like that. Okay, so we have we all have vivid memories of talking to our liter- literature literature uh, professors and uh, uh, talking about why does this guy have this you know artistic need to talk about one single tree next to the train tracks in St. Petersburg for 14 freaking pages, right? (laughs) And the answer is they were, back then, paid by the word. Oh, get out. Is that why War and Peace is unknown? (laughs) It's not a bad story, but oh my God, what a saga. (laughs) Yes, so... Of course, it was. It's just not 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 just war and peace. It's it's the whole Russian classic thing, Anna Karenina, yeah. this that, and, and the other. They were paid by the word, so of course they they would take for so long, right? So this there's an important lesson in there, which is be careful how exactly the value of your work is actually expressed in what. How do you measure it? Because it will affect how people remember your work, and it will affect the quality of your work. Absolutely. So if if we can learn anything from from Dostoevsky, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a I never realized that because war, everyone knows War and Peace. I tried to read it once, and that was enough. But you can get the abridged <laughs> journal. As I said, you know, there's some classic movies and, and the principle itself. I mean, it's a bit Hamlet in style. But, you know, it's just I never realised that. That was something, and that, that makes sense now, that these big sagas, uh, and, you know, I'm pretty much sure the Gone with the Wind must have been on how much film reel you can have as opposed to the actual getting to the point. Probably. I mean, you, you talked about pages when I mentioned thinking I'm talking about a fictional scenario for for design, but it's not about the hours. It's not the hours that are evil. It's, it's not about the hours. It's about measuring something in a way that seems practical at the time, but is actually a really bad measure of the value. It simply doesn't show the value. So yes, you can measure it, right? You can measure it, but you will be successful in measuring it. You just won't be able to conclude anything useful for it. It's like measuring how, how good a housewife is by, by counting the spoons in her kitchen. I mean, it's measurable. Absolutely. It just, <laughs> yes, in some cases you might sh- strike gold and get an accurate measurement. The problem is you have no idea when and if. It's a measurable thing that doesn't show you anything about the value. So that's the danger of, of counting pages or hours or whatever. And hours is an example of an input-based remuneration. Pages or lines of code or lines of, of, of typing it is an example of an output-based, not an input one. Both of them are meant to be approximations of the value for something else. And like I said, for digging a hole, sure, measure the, the dirt uh, you know, dug up from the hole or measure the depth and you will get an accurate you will get an accurate measurement of the value or, 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 or uh, the work done. 
But don't try to do that with, with designers. Don't that try to do that with accountants. It, it won't work. Do you think that, because, I mean, the big part of it is then, you know, you, okay, we know what break-even is or you know what the minimum profit is, so break-even plus a bit of a margin, so what your your minimum is. Then everything else is, you know, the ceiling and that's then down to communication conversation and to see what the client, how much value it is for them. And, and do you think because it's fundamentally flawed, the principle is, well, that's why the value communication piece is then so hard because we haven't been trained to do that. You know, when you teach people around the link between, you know, value communication, what is it that you're actually going to get? Because you can't you, you can't say, well, you're going to get a hole because a hole's fairly easy or you're going to get a even a novel. But do you, how do then people think about how they shift their value communication so they can actually then communicate it because quite often of course experts and I think we discussed this last time people don't know what they do like people don't understand what they do so they don't know what the value is themselves so how do they then take that step to value communication which is such an integral part well okay um yeah well when when you uh, go to a restaurant you don't get a bill like, uh, well, this was, you know, uh, two grams of salt, half a kilo of potatoes, uh, this this many uh, pounds of turkey, and whatever, right? You don't get an itemized bill on on the on the ingredients. You pay for the meal, not for the ingredients. But you play extra if you're going for the experience, and you know that the taste is going to flip it out. Oh. Absolutely. Even on fast food, if you just took yeah. the ingredients and the hours and the hourly wages of, of your, the staff there, you, you wouldn't get near to the price that they're charging you. Right? We all know that. We don't care. I'm hungry. Feed me quickly. Thank you. Right? We don't really... Well... How many grams of salt was it this time? And what's the price of salt per kilo? <laughs> Nobody cares. Maybe we should actually communicate fast food that way because then you realize just how bad it's killing you. <laughs> and then you might not actually buy it. But that's a joke in there, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes, but beside the point, what, I, what, what I'm saying is, uh, you, you, you said it well, um, people don't realize what they do. They think they're, they're selling drills and they're selling holes. So that's getting, getting down to the problem they're actually solving and, and making sure that they're speaking about that in the client's language. Yes. Yes. And if... Um, I don't want, I don't, I, I pay my accountant because I don't want to think about accounting and I don't want to face the probability of me making a mistake, which is pretty high because I fi find the, 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 the whole subject utterly boring um, and, and completely thankless because if you do everything perfectly, that's good enough. If you do any mistake, that's, that's a tragedy, right? I think it's a thankless job, and I thank my accountant for doing it for me, right? I don't particularly care if she does it in 20 minutes, or she does it in two hours, or she does it in 20 hours, or some months she does it in two hours and some months. I don't care. What I'm getting from her 
is me not having to think about accounting. That's it. I can get an itemized bill. I won't look at it because I don't care. Yeah, I agree. Have I, uh, um, have I been forced to pay a fine? No. Great work. Here's your money. See you next month. Right? I don't care. So the value then is you don't have to think about accounting. You know you're not going to be fine because she's really good at what she does. And everyone's happy. Yes. And then just pay what she Yeah, does. if I need to know something, if something changes and things change all the time, if I need to know something, she'll call me. That's great. That means I don't have to waste my time trying to understand texts which are not meant for me, which means I have uh, 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 more time to do other stuff. So um, I'm getting my time back and I'm getting uh, a, a good night's sleep on the subject, which is welcome. And that's everything that I need. And I really couldn't care less how many hours that took. I really, <laughs> really, that's. That's not even something that I would welcome knowing because what, what do I do with, I mean, it, it, it's like somebody in the restaurant saying I did, uh, you know, I, I cooked this in, in uh, 21 minutes and, and seven seconds. Okay. Is that good? Bad? I, I, I simply don't care. Right. So um, I think when we're, when you're thinking about uh, your price, Try to think about somebody else in your life that's giving you um, basically advice or doing something for you that you couldn't possibly uh, do. It, it's, it's different with, with commoditized services, with things like washing your car. You could do that. You, you probably would scratch something maybe or wouldn't do it that well. I definitely wouldn't do, do it that quick. I think doctors are probably a good good thing. Like you know, if if you're not a doctor, um, you, well, I don't think they get paid enough. But we're very happy to go and spend lots of money. They have no idea how they do it, but we know they've got the qualifications and stuff, and they get really, you know, what what they we think's you know good money. Well, lawyers as well, architects as well, coders. Don't get me started, right? And I mean, yeah, there's Canva and stuff, but if you want something really, uh, if you uh, um, want something really well designed, you, you simply can't do it yourself. It, it simply doesn't, right? So, so there's, there's loads and loads of stuff that you have paid for, for other people that, that when you think about it, you don't really care about how long it took because it, it doesn't matter to you at all. If you if if that matter is resolved, that's all you care about. And the sooner it's resolved, the better. And that's fine. Dentists, absolutely. Right? Yes, I mean, and also the fast one, like if, if you have an emergency thing with the dentist, you'll pay double what you'd normally pay because the pain's so big. So the value is immediate relief you know and i know that when we're working with experts and accountants we have a lot of trouble shifting this but you've got to put your feet into the shoes of your client and understand what they value in what you do and that means actually asking or as philip just said actually put yourself in your own shoes and think about something like somebody that you pay 
that you don't even think about how long it takes them, whatever expert that is, um, the results is what you value or the fact that you don't have to think about it. I can think of a few few things there that, um, that and it's the same thing that, you know, why people send kids to different schools with much different price points. It's what you value. Well, you value that that's an all voice skill or whatever that is. And it's not everybody's going to have the same value proposition. So you've got to then go and find your market that has that value proposition and does want to get like you do, don't want to do any accounting or bookkeeping. So you go and find those people and say, we can take care of that for you. How much is that worth to you? You know, Exactly. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's, um, that's a perfectly fair thing to do. Don't get me wrong. Right. People say, isn't it uh, uh, unfair to, to, to charge uh, more for the same amount of work? Um, no, because the, the, the value proposition is different. And if you uh, help somebody uh, 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 not pay a thousand dollars of tax, you can't, I mean, you t- totally can't charge for it $400 and then charge the $400 because it's the same process, just numbers are bigger to somebody who you help uh, to, 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 to pay a hundred thousand dollars less tax. Uh, tax. You, you could absolutely do that. I don't think that's fair toward you. And if you charged, um, if you charged a uh, hundred times more to the second one, although your work is the same, I don't see that as, as unfair. The proportion is the same. I too think that, yeah, yeah. And if you price everybody on the same method, which is value pricing that you're talking about there, that's fair. It, you know, yes. all our professional associations and say as long as you're consistent. And that doesn't mean you have to charge the same thing for the same thing. It means that you're billing the same way. So I'm always going, well, the value, the result I got, I'm just going to get to 10% or whatever that is. But my base is X, just in case, obviously, you know, they're payable. <laughs> you don't get a refund. But if there's work involved, and I think then it's unfair if you don't do that because the next person, the next expert that comes along, they think getting a $100,000 refund or whatever that is, is easy or it's cheap. And it's not. So it's unfair on everybody. And I think that we've got to start shifting this because, and you do win some and lose some on those because it's the value proposition then, not a cost proposition, which is the hours for dollar stuff. Uh, I I think you should always uh, at least cover your costs, but your profits are not going to be always the same, but that's fine. Yeah. So you should always have a minimum. You should always go, I'm going to go and do this for thousand dollars um that's my base but for every i'll get 10 percent or whatever that is whatever's the higher so you do cover your costs and, and that as well so as long as you get consistent yes the only thing that can be different is if a client uh in addition to to you doing the work wants you to take some risk as well that's a different thing but then you go to the negotiation piece you can say that, yes. Um, look, wages, let's say, is, is covering your work, but profits is covering your risk. And I, I always, um, I, I always illustrate this with, with a pirate expedition to find treasure. Okay, the captain doesn't do any work. 
He doesn't scrub. He doesn't climb the, 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 the you know, he, he, he doesn't row. He doesn't dig. But if there is no X that marks the spot, or if there is, right? Uh, but there's no treasure and it's full of sand. He's the one that hangs. Everybody else get, sells the ship, gets paid. That's it. He doesn't get off that island. So what he's doing is taking the risk. So if there is a, a treasure chest that, uh, there, his share is not for the work. It's for the risk. Right? So if a client says, yes, I'm going to cover your costs here, but if we manage to, to hit this mark, then you get 60% more. Okay? That's a different deal than you just doing the work. Right? Or I want to pay 90 days after or 60 days after uh, the, the deed has been done. That's a risk. And you should be paid for your work and your risk. These two things are completely different. And even if you hired somebody else, it doesn't have to be an employee, a freelancer, to do the first part, you're still taking the risk on the second part. And actually, it's a good way of thinking about it. Even if you're doing the work and taking the risk, imagine that you actually paid somebody else to do the, the work and are just financing this client for 60 days. That's the, the appropriate way of thinking about this because you haven't, uh, 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 you know, given any money to yourself, but you did the work. You, you have to get money for this. So it doesn't really matter if you gave it to somebody else or you should give, give it to yourself, right? So this can change the, 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 the negotiation part, as you said. And it's a different value proposition altogether because you are providing them with work and financing, which is not the same thing. Yes, and a different value, which is financing, not... Um... Not that sort of stuff. And I suppose that's what everyone should start undoing in their head is that there's many ways, you know, you've got to actually start thinking about this rather than the easy and and I love the risk thing too because that's what profit is and you should profit the higher risk. And, you know, quite often, I mean, experts too, you are funding them too. So you do the work because it's hours of dollar and then they don't pay for another 30 or 50 days and you've already paid the wages you know, way back then. So they should be charged an additional amount of money for that. But because of the structure, because of how we do it, you're unable to do it or it's not kosher, which is not quite true either. So anyhow, there was such an amazing amount of takeaways here. I think that, you know, the two that I would like people to really think about, you know, going forward is that pricing per hour, you know, is for actually hammering nails and not expert seasons. And you should always... Look at pricing the meal and not the ingredients. I think that that if you could think of that, those sort of things, and the way you get the prices that you need to get is through value communication, not through hours. It is very people will not pay for what they don't understand the value to be. So you you have to work on that area, which means you can then drop the hours for dollar, and that you can also you know make sure that you understand the break even costs. That's a big key too, because that will give you a bit more fear, make you more fearless um, when it comes to pricing. If you've got a very clear understanding of what's the minimum you will take here, then everything else goes on top of it. And you can 
you know, give yourself the security because one of the reasons people use ours for dollars is because they understand it. But you've got to understand your own costs and your own imports. That's for you internally to do. And that's, you know, the summary of, of what I heard today. Okay, well, thank you so much again for joining us. I think that everyone will really enjoy that and take that a little bit extra step again. Everybody out there, I highly suggest you listen to both of them. Just um, refresh yourself on the, on the previous one too. So thank you very much for being with us today. Yeah, uh, thank, thanks for having me. I think this was a great opportunity to go through this. Fantastic. And for everyone else, as always, I'll be brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on this podcast and are passionate about helping expert entrepreneurs build businesses without overwhelm. To help us, can you please leave a review if you loved it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform?